0: Welcome to the Thinklings podcast, a conversation where good thoughts help renew the mind with the Word of God. I'm Charlie Carter, and I'm here with Tim Little and Andy Stearns. Let's jump into the conversation. Welcome to the save some for me to the savory sounds oh. of.
1: I just drank it all. Thanks, so sorry. <laughs> here, you want some of my. <laughs>
0: Well, welcome to the Thinkling's podcast. <laughs> we were we were trying to capture Thinkling Stearns. I'm so sorry. Pouring coffee into his cup, and so
1: if you could hear that, there's still you know, some in there. Oh, okay. Wonderful. There's like a drop, Tim. Oh no, there is some. Okay, I felt bad. I took all the coffee.
0: So the the long-awaited Thinkling's reunion <clears throat> has happened today. Uh, welcome back.
1: Thank you. Oh man, it feels good to be back. Listener, you don't know what's just gone on for the last period of time before we recorded, but it's good. It's really good. It feels good to see you guys again.
0: It's good to have you back. And Tim, I feel like you should say what you always say.
1: What do I always say?
0: I feel like you've said the same thing to me, like every podcast we've recorded the last couple months.
1: Shalom. Shalom. (laughs) I will say that has been... So I've been listening. I haven't gotten through all the episodes with what's going on, but... I've gotten very used to hearing to Tim, Tim say shalom. <laughs> sometimes it has like a lower cadence, sometimes a higher. So,
0: yeah. So really the main highlight of this episode is that we're all three back together. Yeah. But we are still going to do the things that we normally do. And so uh, let's tell you what's in this episode. Let's do that. Cause that's a new thing that we've done. I've
1: really enjoyed that by the way. That was yeah. a great addition.
0: And that was born out of Tim and Charlie's lack of organization when Andy left. So <laughs>
1: <Woo>. <laughs> I love this so much.
0: So here's what's in the episode. We are going to have Andy's weekly wisdom delivered directly from the Andy. So the Andy wonderful.
1: <laughs> the Andy. Yeah. You know, I got
0: you. We are going to interact with some listener emails. And since we have Thinkling Stearns, the Andy back, all (laughs) other Andes should cower in fear. (laughs) This is the Andy. Uh, Since we have Finkling Stearns back, we have a question that he Hmm. is uniquely equipped to answer, which is about what order should you read the Chronicles of Narnia? So we're going to answer that question that was emailed into us. And we're going to do that thing that we always do, talking about the things we're reading and working on. And then in the main content of the episode, we're just going to have a conversation with Andy about uh, God's road that he's walked him through the last uh, three months. We have some questions we'd like to uh, ask uh, for us to learn, and then for all of you to hear our conversation Hmm. about uh, what God has done in Andy's life. And so... And then we will end with a final meditation in God's word in 2 Corinthians one. Is there anything else before we jump no. in to no. the next thing?
1: Let's do it. I just want to say this is really good to be back. I have missed this. Hmm. Uh, I'm excited. This yeah. is good. This would is you, good.
0: So we've joked many times about actually like when we transition to other segments of the podcast, if we were like to put a sound bite in of like a whoosh, would you like to do the honors? Whoosh. There it is. All right. So Andy's weekly wisdom. Q
1: <laughs> Andy. So I don't have a quote this week, but I just want to say listeners, I have been thankful that Charlie and Tim have come up with the weekly wisdom. That was fun. I did feel like you guys kept me a part of the podcast when I couldn't be. And as a friend, I just want to say thank you. That was really cool. <laughs> so this week I'm not going to read a quote, but I am going to give um, a reflection that I think is helpful uh, from what's happened in my life. And so my family, we've gone through a really dark road and it's been very hard and it goes all the way back to about a year ago, a year ago, we're recording this in December. And it was about then that we found the big tumor in Robin's leg. We didn't know what it was at the time, but all through the spring I was teaching classes and I was saying these things and, um, I'm going to say it again. And I think this is true after having walked through the path, I would say my quote for you would be, don't be selfish with your suffering. Don't be selfish with your suffering. Um, early on, I had studied out death for a while on the podcast. Some of you listeners will remember that. Way back, I'd studied suffering, and it seemed like each one of those led to my wife having cancer again. But studying uh, suffering the first time, the, the passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 became very important. And so I'm just going to read part of that and explain to you why I think you should be open when you suffer. So 2 Corinthians 1 says in verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we receive and are comforted by God. Now you can take the passage all the way down to 11, but I'm going to stop there because the principle or the idea is there. So if you're going to suffer, God will comfort you. And I've experienced that, but what is the purpose for him comforting me? It's actually, he loves me, but it's actually not so that I will be comfortable. He comforts me so that I can be a testimony and comfort others. So listener, when you suffer, uh, I would say don't overshare. There's wisdom there, not oversharing too much, of course. But remember that God has planned on purpose to allow that in your life. And if you are comforted, the purpose that scripture says is that you could comfort other people. So uh, I would just say my weekly wisdom is don't be selfish with your suffering.
0: Great. And we will come back to that Hmm. passage a little bit later. And it's funny because we hadn't planned uh, that. I mean we you mentioned earlier like we've just been kind of goofing around for the last couple
1: hours which has been great minutes Go- we haven't been min- minutes minutes, minutes, yes, Charlie, just minutes seconds seconds milliseconds <laughs> in fact
0: you guys are horrendous
1: <laughs> I uh, haven't heard horrendous directed at me in like three months so this so is this, wonderful. this reminds me we were here for two hours without <laughs> the mics on
0: Tim <laughs> <laughs> it
2: was great
1: it was it really was a knot of hey, friends turning their back on the yeah, wall yeah exactly our
0: phones are always listening Tim <laughs> And so what this reminds me of is our very early days, like before we even recorded yeah. any of this, yep. there were meetings like this often in December, yep. often when finals had been finished and we were all, you know, Thanks, I guess Tim. at the time I wasn't stressed about grading, you know, but you know, now I am. Grading stressful. <laughs> uh, it's less now stressful. Now I'm the for... one who's
1: not stressed about grading. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. <laughs> I sure church last night. <laughs> We had to get there early and I'm sitting there thinking like, I'm going to work on this and this and this. And I see Tim over there grading and I'm like, I bet he's grading my intro assignments. Cause he subbed for me. Sure enough. he's yep. doing all my grading. It's, it's less
0: stressful for us than it is for them. I hey, guess. I got it done. He did. Yeah. That's, it's good enough. It's good yeah. enough. Good enough. And, uh, but we, we would, we would come in in the winters and it was just drink coffee, yep. talk about books. Yeah. You know, I wrote a stupid poem. What do you think? You know, type of type of stuff. And that was really the seed bed of, uh, like mm-hmm. just, uh, I think what I would call mm-hmm. just a fun fellowship and friendship was the seedbed of this podcast. Mm-hmm. And so this, this morning felt a lot like that. And, um, so it's, it's good to be back together mm. and, uh, yeah. It's uh, good for my
1: soul. <laughs> I appreciated that. Same. Same. I appreciated that.
0: And let me, we have a template for this, just very reason, cause we,
2: I have no idea what's next. Listener email. Yeah. Yes.
0: Listener email. So, uh, Decker emailed us and did some uh, research, did Derek? some uh, pondering about.
1: I think you mean Derek. Oh, Decker. oh no, Decker. Sorry, Decker. My apologies. Carry on.
0: Decker Warner. Yep. If I'm announcing and pronouncing correctly. You are. And uh, so he's wondering about what order should the Chronicles of Narnia be read in? And the discrepancy here is, do you r- read them? In the order that they were written so publication order or do you read them in the fictional chronology of the story so the prequel Mm -hmm. before and then you read it from its chronological start to its end and andy is our resident narnia order expert and so why don't you weigh in? Let's well, answer the question.
1: Can I read? Like, yeah, read, oh, yeah. yeah read. It, go ahead, Tim. Yes, why don't you, you read the email, Tim? And so I'll, I'll um, give my
2: response. Decker writes Thinkling Stearns was under the impression that uh, Lewis, I guess maybe I need to back up a little bit more. But um, anyway, the Decker's actually done some research on this because uh, he quotes in the book of. Uh, in the book Letters to Children, we have a record of C.S. Lewis' Lewis's response to a child named Lawrence about the order of the Narnia series. And then he has the quote here, Dear Lawrence, I think I agree with your order of reading The Chronicles of Narnia more than your mother's. The series was not planned beforehand, as she thinks. He goes on to describe how he wrote the first few without actually planning on writing more, and then adds, perhaps it does not matter very much in which order anyone reads them. So the footnote says, Lawrence's mother thought that the seven chronicles of Narnia should be read in the order in which they were published, since she assumed that this sequence was intentional. Lawrence, however, believed that the stories should be read chronologically, according to the Narnian time. Lewis later affirmed his preference for Lawrence's sequence, see Walter Hooper, Paul Watchful Dragons, whatever so according to like this quote and this is really good uh decker did some research on this and this is uh uh, this quote is alluded to on multiple occasions saying this is the preferred order because lewis said so to this
1: child okay yep so that's so i want to say a couple things first of all decker well done uh i can tell you haven't come to this lightly you've actually done a little research that's very impressive um there's a bigger conversation out there and I think there's two elements to consider. The one is intentionality and the other is dependency. So I would say this, the, the, the issue is that the mom in this letter was saying is she thought the reason to read it in chronological order is because it was intended that way. Well, Lewis himself said he didn't have designs on, like you just said. So it, it may not have been from Lewis intended to be in that order, but then you have to ask the question, is the story itself dependent on that order? And I would argue that you lose much from the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe if you read it out of order. Um, Charlie, you are like your favorite quote is Aslan's on the move. And you've mentioned how like when you read that the first time, you get like goosebumps. You're like, what is this Aslan character?
0: Yeah. It, that, that scene with Mr. Beaver, you you yeah. are put in the position the same position. As the four Pevensey children. Yes, exactly. And that's why it's such a good story because, like the Pevenseys, you've you don't have never a been in Arnie exactly, and you don't know who these people are, and so you're standing right alongside of them with Mr. Yes. Beaver, and you're like, "Well, yep. who's who's Aslan?" Yeah. And if you jumble up that order, I I do honestly I do think if he was sitting here with us, I think Lewis did write it. To have that effect. Yes. And I think he wanted the child reading to be in the position of the Pevens. Yes.
1: Because he, he's writing for a child. So I would say that the, 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 the story is dependent on the order. The order of the books may not have been intentional. It may have been unintentional, but I, I would argue that what he did there was very intentional. And so I want to read a little bit more. So <clears throat> I'm on Narniaweb.com pulling some quotes. So Douglas Gresham, his, his stepson, um, said that Harper Collins reached out there, a publisher and asked, what order do you think they ought to be in? And I said, well, I actually just asked Jack himself, Jack is CS Lewis, what order he preferred. And he thought they, and he thought they should be read in. And he said, he thought they should be read in the order of the Narnian chronology. So I said, why don't you go with what Jack himself wanted? So it's my fault, basically, the order of the Narnian chronology, and I'm not the least bit ashamed of it. So his stepson said, I'm the reason that all the publishers have reordered it. The, 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 the tricky part is that no other, I would not know, not know, but almost no other C.S. Lewis scholar would say that. And I know, I know that's his stepson. So you got to give a lot of weight to that. He lived with him. But people would say that Lewis was a bit deferential as a person. And I think he was being a little bit deferential to the child. So here's what I would say. If I had to back up, I would say that, sure, the child reading it in the the publication order, when is the child going to struggle with the story? When you get to magician's nephew and they're like, wait, you go back in time because children don't think like that. They're not going to struggle, though, up to that point. So I would say it's really if you go in chronological order, it's not helping the child so much that it's worth losing that Aslan mystique from the first book, but here's what I've gone and said. So Derek or Decker, this is what I would say. Now, this is my position currently, and I've adjusted this just slightly. I would just say that if you're going to read these, you just need to read Lion the witch, the wardrobe first, like that's it. And then you can go in any order. I mean, like you could read the magician's nephew and the horse and his boy and go back. But I I do think if you want to catch what Lewis is doing, Lying the wish in the Wardrobe first is most important, in my opinion.
0: And and I think hindsight's twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. So clearly, the author who's not intending to write more books wasn't intending to write them in a publication like a chronological yeah. order. Yeah, clearly because he, after one, he doesn't even know if he's going to do more. Yeah. So when he wrote the first one mm-hmm. and finished it, why did he not? Then, make any of the others. Why did he go right to Prince Caspian, and why did he write the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe first?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: He wanted that to be first. Yeah. And he knew when he finished that one. Hmm. Do I go to the last battle, yeah. or you know, actually, you know, uh, maybe yeah. a Horse and His Boy. Uh, maybe. Maybe I need to explain like where Narnia came from. And then go to Prince Caspian. Like, he of course he's not thinking that because yeah. he, he's he's not planning on the whole series. But what did he what did he plan? Here's the one I'm writing. Yeah. Yep. And and it, it, you you follow the characters in a very sequential progression. You go from the Pevensies to the Pevensies. and then mm-hmm. you get Eustace. And then you get Paul, and they progress with the stories. Yes. So if you put those out of order, it even changes how you view some of the main characters of the series. Now, you know, it's, it's not a moral issue. Like you can do whatever you want, but I will say when, uh, my, my mom had listened to our podcast and she had bought the books and I was at home years ago and she's reading it. And I'm, are you reading Chronicles of Narnia? And mom, if you're listening to this, I love you. But I had to correct. I was like, no, 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 no. It's not one, two, three, four, five, six. No, no, no. It's, Amen. Let's flip these around a little bit. And this is, what, this is the way you do it. And, there we go. And we go. um. And and I think the reason I would want someone to do that is what I think Lewis is thinking about when he wrote Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Yeah. Is he wants someone, however old they are, to be standing there and hear Aslan's on the move. like, Who's Aslan? Yeah. And then, well, he's, he's a lion, you know, but he's not a tame mm-hmm. lion. Yeah. And, well, you know, but he's good. Yeah. you know, like hearing and like you're, you're learning little snippets of who he is and then you, you get to the end of it. And I think the payoff is much greater when you do it that
1: yeah. way. I would also say with you, if you do it in the wrong order, you, I mean, it's agreed. It's not a big deal. It's yeah. just, this is a finer point. I will say this though, cslewis.com. Mm. Uh, quote the right order Lewis scholars almost universally agree that we should disagree with what Lewis said about <laughs> order of publication Lewis was not the kind of person to focus on himself and though he remembered everything he read and almost every word for almost word for word he lacked such a perfect memory toward anything that he actually wrote he was truly selfless not only in his actions toward others but in his constant practice of ignoring himself in order to make God not Lewis the center of his life I'm not convinced Lewis was thinking thinking about his books and their content when he gave thought to the best order in which to read them. He was probably thinking about what, what might be easiest for children to understand. And while he preferred chronological, and he quotes the same letter that Decker did, he also said, perhaps it does not matter very much in which order someone reads them. So this guy then gives a bunch of arguments why you should read them in chronological order. And it actually goes beyond what we say. He talks about, you know, the magician's nephew isn't actually very captivating it's more of like, it's only interesting if you know the rest of it. Um, Some of the bits about the wardrobe doesn't make sense. If you read magicians first, like this line, none of the children knew who Aslan was any more than you do. So like the author's telling the reader, you don't know who Aslan is because he says that in wardrobe. Mm. But if you read magician now, so anyways, I, I, I would say you should read it in publication order and you should recommend it. And anytime I see a set, just like pints with Jack and Andrew Snyder and I'm reordering them. I'm yep, reordering them every single time. every time. And
0: um, I think there's even at the end of magician's nephew, doesn't he tell you about like, you know, like the forming of the wardrobe?
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. And
0: again, that makes yeah. absolutely no sense to you if you're reading that first, Yeah. like it, it really just, it becomes less logical towards the end if you're, if you're, splicing them up but you know
1: but i want to give decker three points for doing some good research there man well done
0: so the worst thing to do would be to not read them yes (laughs) marginally better but not as best yeah would be to read them publication order in publication order exactly and then you know the best would be to read them in I flipped it around.
1: Chronological. Yeah. Chronological and public. Yeah. Yeah. But so. either way you read them, you should read them. <laughs> Listener, I wish you could see Tim's face. He's he's ready. He's ready to be done. I've been ready to be done.
0: He's just curled, <laughs> just, you know, curled up in his blanket, just you ready to you. go. All right. So here we go, Tim. We have some thinklings business to tend to.
2: Books and business.
0: Let's talk about some books. And Andy, why don't You're, you go no, first? You sure.
2: know, he's got the main one. Shouldn't you start? start Mine's going to take a while.
0: Okay. Uh, I'll go first. You go first. I haven't really been reading that much. <laughs> like I said, so now my I, turn. I have. I have. Um, <laughs> c- can I, can I, I'm going to ask for permission. Can I read the same quote I read earlier here? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Oh, absolutely. So uh, we've briefly discussed it earlier that Andy was working on an article about mm. Is Christmas Pagan? And that resource has uh, been printed, published. And so we have these copies. Are they in the most holy bookstore
2: they're in the book in the faith
0: bookstore (laughs) okay perfect oh my word (laughs) to me like the bookstore is like like his like it's like the vatican
1: and and tim is the pope so he has his own government and money yeah yes do you have like catacombs with hidden things tim in the basement
0: he really does he just he
1: just raises eyebrows i think he does anyway so I store it in the basement of the seminary building.
0: That's fantastic. So uh, Andy has... uh Horrendous. The title of the the full work is Glad You Asked, Answers to 12 Tough Questions About Christmas That You Need Answers For. And the question that Andy's answering in his is, is Christmas pagan? So have you ever heard someone like, no, 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 Christians shouldn't you know, you can't celebrate Christmas because trees are pagan and that's Saturnalia and da, 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 da. Andy interacts with all of that. It'd be really helpful for you to interact with that discussion to have this book. And, uh, I just, as I was reading through it, I just liked the very end of it. Uh, how, so if someone tries to tell you Christianity is just another mythical man-made pagan religion, don't fall for it. Buy gifts, put up a tree Drink eggnog and kiss your spouse under the mistletoe and then thank God for sending his son to be the savior of the world. You aren't being pagan. Like
1: I, that, did that did that say if someone tries to tell you Christianity is pagan or Christmas? It says Christianity. Oh man, that's supposed to say Christmas. That's a that's did a, I typo. Find a typo. You found a typo. Oh, yeah. Yes. That's okay. <laughs> well, or maybe I maybe I wrote it wrong. So, but the point was Christmas. I meant if they tell you Christmas is pagan, so I do think like there's, there's good reason to just enjoy what God's given us. So
0: yeah. anyway, so that, that'll be my book's business. So
2: for me, I've been reading through uh, the Bible versus biblical womanhood, um, which is an egalitarian book. <laughs> really? <laughs> and uh, the subtitle is how God's word consistently affirms gender equality by Philip Payne. So, I've been, I read through uh, some additional chapters on Ephesians 5 and Galatians 3, which are two other key texts on the whole debate. But I'm going to save for, save all of that for future critique, but it's what I've been reading right now.
1: All right. So, I have been uh, reading with my kids a lot. When cancer began, I knew that I wanted something for us to do that may carry us through. And so, what we did is we started reading The Hobbit. And we're through, uh, we're midway through two towers. I should tell you about the Gandalf when he comes back sometime, that was a grace moment for my kids. And then what we've done is we have a rule in our family that Robin and I had had been very strong on is that we wouldn't watch a movie or listen to a book until we had read it. But we made one exception. We probably spent, it was like 20 minutes to go down to hospice and back. And we did that sometimes twice a day. And so that's like 40 to 80 minutes in the car. And so I made an exception to listen to the green ember series and Toto. And so we listened to all of those. And I would say it was a wonderful time with my kids. They loved it. Um, we did not finish them all by the time my wife passed. We went on a trip this weekend to the mall of America and on the way home, we finished. We've almost finished the last book, um, Well, we've read, we read the four, we Mm -hmm. read them in, um, we read the four main ones. Yep. Then we went and did the prequels, the tales of old Natalia. Mm -hmm. And now we're doing the side stories, the Archer stories, the Archer series. That's all about Joe Shanks. So we're on the very last book and I wanted to talk about it because I think listener charity mapes wrote in and talked about awakening love Mm -hmm. and mentioned that in this book, there's romance. Am I remembering that correctly?
2: I I think so. I don't know if she was referring to uh, specifically. She I think she referred to the Green Number series as a whole. Maybe she referenced Archer's Cup. Archer's Cup is the last one, and that's the book that um,
1: Sterns is referring to. Yeah. So I what I what what I got to set this up is I knew that there was something in this book that was like romance and mm-hmm. awakening love, and so listener, uh, I'm going to do spoilers now. So if you don't want to know any spoilers. Look at Charlie's show notes. Lord willing, that exist, and skip <laughs> ahead. I love his show notes. Um, so right now, I'm going to spoil some things. So, listener, um, Joe Shanks is the main character of these three books. He's one of the archers that's in the Fowlers, and they are on all their going on all their missions. In this third book, he meets a beautiful young doe and hits it off with this female rabbit. And I know Charlie the deer hunter is like a doe <laughs> is a rabbit doe, and so they're they're hitting it off, and he is smitten and so there's he finds out that this woman is secretly engaged, this kind of a scoundrelly figure and just like um I don't know one of you was with dr Boyd in um in fundamental lit last fall, and we read about troth yeah and and she <clears throat> is going to hold her vow to marry this guy, even though he's kind of a wicked guy. Yeah. And Joe is like going to try to woo her anyways. And he's like, what do I do? And this other character is like, never give up on love. It's the only thing worth fighting for. And this guy keeps encouraging to never give up on love. My kids are listening to this. and I'm thinking that's not love. Like everything that Joe's describing is like affection, desire, interest, excitement, passion. It's not actually love. Biblical. Mm. love. It might be in the eros family of, of love, mm-hmm. Like, man, I I'm, this is not good. And so I'm not kidding. You. We're two thirds of the way through the book. It gets so bad that I had to stop it and say, no guys. And Abby's like, this is the awakening love stuff. And I <laughs> like, yeah, this is not right. Thank you, Tim, for all your work at kids for truth. And my kids <laughs> knew it. And I was like, yeah, I said, like, guys, this is actually really wrong. And so I explained it and Evan said, but wait, I thought this guy was a Christian, the author. And I said, Mm -hmm. well, I said, you know, there's a lot of Christians who have been misled by Disney and like culture. And so sometimes it doesn't mean everything he writes is bad, you know, but, but, but we, this is, you know, maybe he missed it. We all blind. So I was trying to be really nice Mm -hmm. to SD Smith. And uh, so we keep listening and it was beautiful the person who was encouraging Joe Shanks to never not stop fighting for love mm-hmm. and giving him bad advice ends up being the bad guy. Oh, really? Have you read it? Tim? No, I haven't read this. Oh before. my word. Tim, it, t- he, he's totally the guy who's bad. And there's this other character, a wiser old uh, lady rabbit. Who's like, that's not love, Joe. Uh-huh. That's like blah, blah, blah. And, and, and I realized oh, SD Smith deep faked me. He totally made me think he was going down this like, like Hollywood bachelorette Disney, you know, whatever cultural show of this is what love is. And actually he's showing how wrong it is. So in the end, Joe realizes this is wrong. And then the character who's been telling him to go follow this love Mm -hmm. ends up being a bad guy and doing very wicked things. For this love, and so the final showdown is Joe being like, "That's not really love." It ended up being really, really good. So it was huh. a huge teaching moment. And then I, my kids are like, "Wait, he was right." I'm like, "Guys, Dad was." It was it was a wonderful moment. Yeah. So the Archer's Cup, I got super scared that it was going to be teaching romance. So if you if you do read this listener and you're like not wanting to awaken love and all that, stick with it till the end because it ends up being a really good teaching moment through a story. So I, I would. I really like the Green Ember series. I think we should reach out to Smith and see if we can interview him. I think that would be interesting. Have you read any of them yet, Charlie?
0: I have not read them. <clears throat> I have reached out to him. Ooh. And uh he's a busy fella. Yeah, he is. <laughs> and uh but this is gonna prompt me to reach out to him again. And uh that that is just amazing too. I love
1: that. It was so good. I love that. And just to, to sing Smith's praises um, later on my blog, I'm going to write an entire essay about one quote that one of the rabbits makes in the first book that actually has helped me as I've walked this Mm. journey of suffering. So anyways, I really like it. I think they're great books. Parents, if you haven't read them, get them. You Adults know, read him. I loved him.
0: <laughs> I'm not. I I thought I'd send an email to him or his constituency. Uh, I'm actually not sure if I actually did. So maybe it would be the first, oh, first time. But yeah, we'll we'll see. Maybe we can uh, get this guy to come and talk rabbits with us.
2: So he just
1: came out with a new book, mooses with bazookas. I was just gifted that book. Did you read I, any of it yet? No, not yet. Yeah, we, we we're working through um Tolkien and then. Tolkien's a little deep for Abby. She likes it, but sure. we read a couple chapters of the boxcar kids and then a couple of Tolkien
2: is in the subtitle, something like,
1: and other tales that children should not read or something <laughs> <Yeah>. like that. <laughs> There's a video um, trailer. Have you watched the video trailer? No, he, he read some book when he was little. That was just a silly book and he loved it. And he's like, I'm going to do that. So I'm excited to read it. Have you? No, no, okay. but
2: these would be great. Uh, Christmas presents uh, for your kids, <laughs> uh, which are available at the Vatican. <laughs> you are so horrendous.
0: Oh,
1: at I'm the, sorry. Bookstore. At Bookstore. the Faith Bookstore. I have missed this so much. We we
2: have sold out of a few of the volumes. So I did stock up very high inventories before the Christmas season, but um, these are actually common gifts to children. And we have sold out of a few of the titles. I'm not sure what's actually in stock right now, but um, yeah, stop in at the Faith Bookstore.
0: Yeah. All right. And so for our main content of this episode we are going to just have a conversation we have some questions that uh were sort of scripted andy has seen them and so uh, much to my disliking, we're not just putting him on the hot seat and throwing things at him, which I love to do. You, you know. do. It's your I like, thing, man. I like it's putting Tim in that position more often than you,
1: but <laughs> I'm just better if I have like a moment to think about it, but yeah, I'm not any good at we, it. I just blubber through it. We all, we all are better if we have a moment to think about it, uh,
0: which, you know, Word to the wise. Think about things. Anyway,
1: a moment of thought.
0: So, um, is
2: that a Doctor Mayer quote?
0: Moment, moment
1: of thought would have shown him is wrong, but a moment is a long time, and a thought is a difficult thing. That's, That's it. it. It's one of my favorite life quotes. <laughs> so,
0: how do we want? Just want to start with number one? And yeah, go down? I'm sure. And so, uh do you just want to alternate? Ah, uh, sure. Okay. See, we've planned this so much. <laughs> so, uh, Andy, you, you had a unique fall where. This is the first fall in a very long time that you haven't taught. Yeah, had a significant break from yeah. teaching. Yep.
1: And uh, so, what have you missed most about teaching? Sure. Let me let me back up and say two things. Um, <clears throat> so the listeners know, I I taught one full week of classes, and that's when Robin's radiation was going badly. And then the next week was like Labor Day, and then like I think I got subs for two days. Those other, and then after that is when we went to hospice, but what happened is the school has been amazing in helping us. And I think Dr. Jim being a pastor at heart knew like he's, he's seen people walk dark roads. I think he knew what was coming more than I did. Hmm. And he reached out and said, we want to, we want to get subs for your classes and give you as much time as you need. Hmm. And I don't think any of us thought it would be the whole semester. Robin, Robin and I both thought she had like Four to eight days, maybe two Mm -hmm. weeks. So, what ended up happening is I didn't teach the entire rest of the semester, and that is a huge credit to my school. That's very unusual. I don't know anyone else who's gotten that much time off, and I'm Mm -hmm. super thankful. And poor Dr. Little got stuck teaching my intro to Bible study class, (laughs) but I have heard very good things. So, poor students. (laughs) Well, (laughs) it's been good. You know, freshmen get seminary, and seminary gets the. it's, It's good. It's good. So, what have I missed? Um, I really love students. I just love them. I love to be in the class. I love helping them understand the Bible growing up. I, for all my exposure, I just didn't get it. I've often said that you've heard like people have Jesus in their head, but not in their heart. If you heard that language before, what I say about myself is I had Jesus in my heart, but not in my head. I was the opposite. I, I was saved. I just didn't understand things. And so when I came to faith, it was like, an eye-opening experience and I saw my sanctification change. So I think I really like being in there so I can help them understand the Bible. I like seeing the light bulbs go off. There's just a moment about that. And then I'm just going to be honest. I really enjoy picking on students. (laughs) I do. I like a little bit of torment. So I have, I miss that. I also, the one other thing is I missed campus life. I didn't Mm -hmm. go to anything. I didn't go to any chapels. I didn't go to skit chapel. I didn't, mm. I love festival of carols. It's my favorite thing. And this, this week I'm actually going to go, I'm excited to go to that. Um, but I miss campus life. Yeah, for sure. Mm.
2: Yeah. Festival of carols Thursday and Friday this week. So listener, that's a public event. You could come Thursday and Friday because it's airs tomorrow.
1: Nope. It's no. Thursday. It's going to air next week. So listener, you missed it. You missed last it last week. was so wonderful. It was, Oh, well. so
0: <laughs> it was. <laughs> oh my grass. days are messed
1: up. I'm what? used to recording Monday nights with you.
0: That's so true.
2: Okay. Question number two, uh, what scripture passages did you find yourself reading, uh, through the most?
1: So this one's, I don't know if it's embarrassing or just realistic. Just be real. I had a really hard time reading anything. And I will say it was a slog and a fight to get into the scriptures. Um, but what I found myself after I like figured this out is the Psalms again. And this happened four years ago when Robin had cancers, the Psalms are made for sufferers. Um, David walks difficult paths often. And so I would say that the Psalms were the things that did the most uh, to minister to my soul. Um, Near the end, I would say probably at week eight, <clears throat> I started is hard. You have two little kids and you're trying to figure out how to do this. And you have a sister-in-law who had also great flexibility. So what ended up working out for our family is Robin's sister would stay with her at night's. So I could take the kids home. We're trying to give our kids some level of normalcy in the midst of this to help them transition. And also at the beginning, we thought it'd be like a couple weeks at most. And at the very end, I would come down. And so I would say that for the first eight weeks, that's how it was. When things took a dive, we immediately switched and I started staying down at hospice. And so for those couple of weeks, we started the practice of when we would go to sleep, I would read a chapter of Luke and then we would just read through Psalms and I would skip and get the ones. And so I'm skipping. Okay. But I bet we read at least half of them and we made it through the Psalms twice together as a couple. Hmm. And I think we made it to, I don't know, well over halfway through Luke or further because we didn't always read Luke every night. And that was really good. Don't underestimate bulk reading. I think that was something you think like for me the 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 main verse that resonated this entire time was job 121 the lord gives and takes uh the lord giveth lord taketh away blessed be the name of the lord that one just resonated from like december on it was eerie how that was like the verse that god used from the beginning to prepare me um but bulk reading of psalms was really good the other technique that i thought was helpful is my bible program has audio and so listening to it um W- was good. It was good just to have that going. So, I would say Psalms, Psalms and then Job because man, when you go through suffering, you don't want it. Um but here's Job who went through great suffering and he was he's like I'm going to submit. So,
0: Awesome. And so listeners, you probably noticed that we tried to keep up posting with Andy when he would give us a blog post or something like that. And so Andy for you, how did writing in the midst of that Help you through that road?
1: So, so there's, there's two people I would point back to, and you guys were here for one of them. But when I was at Central with Tim, we were talking to Kevin Bowder about, you know, writing or whatever, or this and that. And he said, you know, guys, he's like, writing is thinking. That's what it is. And I remember that having a huge effect on me. Growing up, I was always one of those guys. I remember I was out with a friend once trying to figure out my life, and we were going for a drive, and I was sharing with the friend my big question. It took me like 45 minutes to get it out. By the time I had talked it all out, I knew the answer. And I couldn't figure out why that was. So I think some people in their head, it's just messy and jumbled. And I think maybe I'm one of those people. So at Central, like writing stuff down, journaling, that was actually kind of helpful. The second one though, is when we interviewed Tim Challies two years ago, he said that the reason he wrote Seasons for Sorrow was because he processes through writing. And so he just wrote the whole time. And I think at that point I realized I had blogged for like, I don't know, 21 weeks in a row. I think just before that and noticed some benefit, but hadn't really connected all the dots about like thinking and reflecting and meditating. And so um, I thought I would start trying to write. So a couple of things that, that it helped number one, When I would write stuff down, I don't know. It was sort of like, this is really what I think. Um, As a Christian, sometimes you think, you know, I believe in God. I trust the Lord. But what if my life came crashing down? Would I still believe God? And I remember the first time Robin had cancer, I was really nervous about that. and. I came through and it didn't, I didn't fall apart. Not, not like me. I just, I really did believe. And it was oddly encouraging. I was just, I'm not trying to name drop here, but I was emailing Tim Challies about this because I had reached out to say thanks for featuring me on all la carte. And I said, one of the things that was really encouraging was this, because he had just said, he's like, sometimes God uses these things to show you your faith and encourage you. And so writing things down and saying what I say, I have always believed but now like in the moment actually writing it, there's something about that where you're like, no, I really do. I'm, I'm trusting God. I really believe sometimes too. You want to jump in? Go ahead.
0: Well, just, I'll just you, say
1: you've walked some stuff.
0: I think the gospels incredibly real. Yeah. When people die mm-hmm. and it's, it's a weird thing that I think the, the most, um, the the strongest I think I've ever felt about the gospel is like the day my dad died or like the next day, yep. you know, sitting at the coffee shop and thinking about it was a Friday and then, you know, I was preaching that Sunday and then the funeral was the next couple of days and thinking through like, what are you going to tell these people? Mm-hmm. What are you going to say? And it yeah. was like, oh no, no, you don't, you don't want to do that. Like let someone else. And I'm like, no, no, like a, this I, is. Like, why, why not share this? Like, this is exactly the time for it, you know? And, and so I, I just completely agree with Mm -hmm. what you just said that I, I noted that same thing in, uh, you know, I'm, I'm young. I haven't experienced a lot of really crazy suffering things. That would be really the only thing that qualifies to me in my life of deep sorrow. But it was that moment. I I thought the Mm -hmm. exact same thing.
1: I'm glad you said that because I had a similar thought. If and I think I said, I would have said it like this. I think this is how I thought it. There were times where I was like, do I say that? And after Robin had cancer, the first time I taught about the problem of evil in apologetics differently because I could say things differently. And it was weird that summer she was on her last chemo. She just had her last chemo. This is four years ago. Listener I'm teaching apologetics and I'm saying these things very directly. And I got one student in class who's gone through some hard things three weeks later she would lose her husband on her honeymoon and go back and say that class was very helpful. Like, but I had to say it. And I I think you, I think if you go through suffering, the question is in that moment, will I be faithful to God even though I might feel like I'm not up to the task? And I would say this time, like, what am I going to say? If, if in the worst suffering Christianity doesn't matter, then it doesn't matter in the worst suffering of Christianity doesn't matter, then it really doesn't matter. And I think that as a believer, man, Charlie sent me a quote and I don't have it off the top of my head, but it's kind of like God's work can't suffer or be hindered just because we're going through hardship and like, look at the gospels, look at what Paul went through, look at what Job went through all that. So I would say that The writing forced me to ask the question, am I going to stand up and testify to God in some way? I think that was important, but also I think it just helped me to think about things, think about them more. Sometimes you're going to say something and you put it, so like I have this, I have it saved. When I thought Robin was going to die in about week three or four, I had written my thoughts about what that moment would be like in preparation to maybe post a tribute and it was much more like C.S. Lewis's uh, grief observed the first three chapters. It was raw. It was rough. And it was like a time capsule. I had it saved. Man, by the time we got to week 11 and my wife and I had like, gotten to the point where we were ready for her to go and be with the Lord. And it's hard to say. Like We just knew like this is God's time and we're ready and we're submissive and we're praying for it. The tribute that I wrote was different. And it's, it was cool to look back eight weeks before. And see how raw and horrible it was. And it's still bad. But it was a different kind of bad. So I would say like writing helped me to collect my thoughts over time. And not be misled.
0: Yeah. And I, I didn't. And I, I maybe someday. But I've never really posted blog posts or anything like that. But it is strange that I have manuscripts of the sermon that I preached that Sunday. Multiples of them. Because I kept changing. Like I would write it out. Yeah. And I don't normally do that. I don't like to manuscript sermons, but it was, what do you really think about this? Yeah, like, What's really important to say about this? Yeah. And I have that notebook. I have those pages where I'm, and we, it was a sermon on Ephesians too, just trying to share the gospel. Like you need to be saved. Mm-hmm. And it's so, so simple bedrock ideas, but how writing through that, that Friday night, that Saturday morning was just so important for me. And, uh, hopefully, and, um, well, as we've talked over the last couple of weeks, you find out about fruit of those things years later. And, um, and, and so you never know something my dad would always say, God works in mysterious ways and you just don't know, but that's, that's something that's very personal and internal. God's using that in you, like second Corinthians one, maybe like God is comforting you in your affliction. Mm -hmm. And then God works through you. And so, yeah.
1: And I would say you talked about the fruit of those things. Your timing was perfect when you texted me about that issue. Yeah. Five years later, finding about some fruit. Um, Cause I will say like Robin and I did not want this at all. We didn't, but um, God was super kind to let us have a number of blessings. Number one, 12 weeks in a hospice with our kids. Um, it was just so good to have so much time together. We didn't think we'd have that much time. And she was lucid for most of it. But secondly, there was so much fruit. We had so many conversations. I think one week Robin got to share the gospel five times with different workers who were coming in to help her with stuff. And they just all like Julie, Robin's sister. She was talking to this person, and that person. It was almost like you go through life and I've said this in class. So like, I'm not making this up and I have a record of this if you want to know it. But you go through life looking for opportunities to share the gospel because you want to follow the Great Commission, and it's just like they're dry. You don't have any. When I go through First Peter three fifteen in apologetics class, the verse that says, "Always be ready to give an answer for the reason of the hope that is in you, but do this in gentleness and respect," that's an apologetics verse. Supposedly, I don't think it is. What leads up to that in the passage? Believers going through persecution and suffering, and pagans looking them saying, "Your God's not sparing from all this horrible stuff." why do you still believe? Why do you follow them? That's your opportunity. Yeah. And I'm telling you, like we saw that firsthand you suffer and you walk with the Lord and God will give you opportunity. So the other thing is about the, the blogging that kind of, the Lord was just really gracious. That kind of blew up a little, um, the posts I put up, I don't, I've never had anything shared that much, even before Charlie's put it on all a cart. Um, and I would say at the, visitation. And I, I was hoping this would happen, but it was really encouraging to hear many people say that those were helpful for them and encourage them. And I think a couple even were hinting at being more bold because of it. The other thing is I think people at hospice were list were reading it. Um, and so listener, if you suffer, I don't think you have to post it online and you may not have a platform where, where you do, but I think the act of writing it out I've, I've tried to journal a little every day since then. I think I talked to you about that, Tim. I'm trying to journal, even if just a couple of lines. And I think looking back, it's been helpful to me to see just how God's moved and what he's done. So I don't know. That's a really long meandering answer, but I think the writing helped a lot.
2: What would you want others to know if they were to go through a similar road of suffering?
1: It's not good. Okay. So. Um, but God does good. I would mm-hmm. say that it's not good, but God will do good. Mm-hmm. So I think, um, there's some Christians who have to always find a silver lining or like, like if you ever like had a bad day or something or something goes wrong and someone's like, how are you doing? And you're like, well, I mean, my car broke down this week and I don't have money to pay for it. And before they've entered into your sorrow or before they've wept with those who are weeping, they're like, well, you know, God will do something. There's like right away to the positive and I would say that Robin and I, from the beginning, would not call it good. And I think that's because it's true. God did not design us to die. God did not design us to suffer. God did not. That's, that's all the effects of the curse. So if you go through suffering, don't be afraid to say it's bad. So suffering is not good, but God does good. And so then I would say you have to just trust in him. I think that's what I would say. I don't know. If, I don't know. Oh, that's really helpful.
0: Yeah. And, um, previously, uh, you've, we've, you've recorded several podcasts about death and suffering and you, you've mentioned them. Uh, how did your, uh, study on the front end before help you, uh, as you went through this trial?
1: Whew, man. <laughs> so,
0: and can I, can could I, could I add in yeah. not only suffering and death, but uh, contentment, (laughs) a lot of the stuff that you've prepared beforehand for. I'm
1: I'm telling you, I I think, I think in a weird way, it just helped me to understand God is sovereign and I can trust him. Mm -hmm. I can't make this stuff up guys. I was going to go to try to apply to a PhD to Southern in 2018 and a guy got sick or something and couldn't come to the faith pulpit down here on campus. And so Jeff Newman was going to speak on counseling, Mm -hmm. the suffering Ben Hartwick was going to speak on a testimony of suffering. And Doug Brown said, could you prepare something theological? That began my study, my deep dive into the problem of evil in Job. That next January is when Robin got cancer the first time. And that helped us. That prepared me. Contentment. I remember the quote. I'm not going to get it right. But it's, it's trusting in God's wise bestowment of all the situations of life. Like that's what contentment is. You're trusting in God's wise bestowment. And I had to early on say, am I going to be content with God bestowing on me and my wife, a horrible path of suffering. And I do think like, it's funny when God paints you into a corner, I said some pretty strong things on those podcast episodes. Like you need to be content no matter what, like, do you really trust God? Even if the worst happens, It's almost like, are you going to put your money where your mouth is (laughs) now? I say it like that. It makes it sound like I wouldn't have, except that I said it publicly. And I don't mean that, but I had said it publicly and I really did believe it. And I think that just strengthened me to like, okay, let's be content. It was hard. I don't want to like lose my wife. Like that sucks. Sorry. I don't know if I can say that online. Um, and it's really hard. Like at night, um, just last night at church, something happened and, before I caught myself, I was like, oh, man, I got to text Robin because she'd think this. And then I realized, like, oh, I can't do that. Um, I made this silly Balrog video on Instagram with these Legos I got. And uh, <laughs> I, I if you get on my Instagram, it's wonderful, by the way. It's amazing, <laughs> I think. But I put it on Instagram at like 1130 at night. And I'm getting ready to go to bed. And so I start flipping through my old posts. And uh, it was It was hard. There's Um, a lot of memories there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like her, uh, doing Christmas cookies. She always did every year. Um, just all the stuff is really hard. Yeah. Um, um, but God is good and I need to trust in his goodness and be content with what he's given me. Um, sorry, I'm saying I'm a lot here. I would also say though that the study on death, uh, helped because like, it is really good to think about death. And I've said that for years based on Ecclesiastes seven, two. And so in May, when we found out Robin was going to die, we just didn't know how long, what am I going to do? Am I going to not talk about it? Am I not going to say anything about it? Right. Now I did have to, for a while, stop posting. There was an issue that was going on. I had to like kind of go silent for a while. But if I truly believe what God says, then it's good for me to publicly think about death for the sake of fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. It's good for me to open up about suffering and how God encourages me because it's good for fellow believers in Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ. So I would say that all of those were God preparing me. Now, I thought those up. Hey, I'm going to do a series on suffering. God, Andy, you're going to suffer. Man, I should do a series on contentment. Okay. I'm going to do a series on death. Okay. You know what I want to do next? I want to do a series on prosperity I know, I was going to and say, winning <laughs> and I having like, all the things that you want. <laughs> that's I'm like, come on, God, let's do this next, please. Please. That, yeah, that, oh, boy.
0: We should do a series on heaven.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well...
0: I could go two ways. That could go. Oh, that's valid. Let me wait
1: until my kids are grown. Then I'll do that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I would say that, um, so there's a, I don't know who said this. This is someone else, but someone said that you forget more sermons than you remember. And sometimes it's not remembering exactly what all these sermons said, but all of them are going and informing you. They're all going, they're going into your soul and they're shaping you in some ways. You don't even know or perceive. Right, And I would say that there's a lot I think I don't perceive in how God prepared me. So I, it's a good question, like, how did those help you? But I think I know, like, a tip of the iceberg. Yeah. And there's probably so many things God did in my soul and my own sanctification that I don't understand mm-hmm. that I would just say, listener, it's not wrong. And it's very good to suffer and to study death. I would just, I would say, do it yourself. And, um,
2: last question, how, how did you help or lead your children uh, through this? You know, share what you think is appropriate, or even mm-hmm. if you want to give it a pass, that's fine too.
1: No, I, I think I could say some things. I would, um, I would say at the beginning though that was the hardest part for Robin and I. Um, I've never seen my wife weep so hard as she <clears throat> realizing she's going to leave her kids. That was when she wept the hardest. Um it's hard, um, because Abby's my daughter is six and Evan, my son, is nine. So they're kind of at different places. Um, the first thing we did is when we got in hospice, we told them uh that mom's gonna die and go to heaven, and that's been very hard. What we tried to do to help them was um so I, I think maybe something I did that was helpful looking back was this if if you're in a situation like this where you know there's a death coming. We tried to not, I don't know if this is right or wrong, but there are some people who've gone through tragedy and then as an adult, they dump all of their suffering and emotions on their little kids. Uh Little kids don't have the life context that we do. Like they haven't seen the ramifications of things. Like for example, my daughter, and don't walk up to my daughter and say this if you see her, but she's so happy. Mom's in heaven. Mm Mm-hmm. She's sad. She just doesn't know it yet. Cause she's little, mm-hmm. but when mother's day rolls around, when it's time to get her ears pierced, when she doesn't know how to braid her hair and dad's so bad at it, she's going to begin to understand her sorrow. And so if like Robin and I tried to not to, to mislead or to make it like everything's always happy and rosy and unicorns and rainbows, but we really tried hard to be, in control of our emotions mm-hmm. and remind them and talk about the Lord. We did not want to act like everything's happy though. And so we did show some emotion, but mm-hmm. we tried to be appropriate. Mm-hmm. And I would say that I wasn't sure. Is that the right thing? It, it was, it, it worked really good. It was really good. Um, I could have dumped all of my sorrows on my daughter and she would have felt like she needs to feel that, but I don't think she would have understood why. Yeah. And it might've been very, um, disc- uh, upsetting or discombobulating I, don't, I can't think of the word like mm. putting you off balance. Mm-hmm. And if you've done that as a parent, I'm not judging you. And I think all kids are different. So I want to be careful to not make that a judgment, mm-hmm. but I will say that I think we had a wise counsel toward that. And my wife was just an exceedingly wise woman and she last cancer. It was the same thing. She's like, we need to be careful what we say, but about halfway through the hospice experience, I, I got the thought that I need to start showing a little bit of sorrow more than I had been so that my kids are seeing this as sad. I don't want them to, th- cause it kind of got to where we didn't think it'd be that long. And it was like, Hey, this is normal life. And I'm like, well, I want them to not, you know, if Robin dies tomorrow, I don't want it to be like a blind side. Right. And so I would, I would say things, little things to my son as sure he's going to bed. Mm-hmm. And then that ended up working out good when Robin started to decline where she was sleeping all the time, I started dropping more and more hints. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it was like actually leading up to that because I told Robin I was dropping hints. And I think what that did is it helped them to prepare slowly over time. And I would say that was a good move. And then this is the last, last thing that really helped. So we're pretty firm on bedtime and (laughs) kids like to talk at bedtime. They just, they don't want to go to bed. They want to talk. I didn't do this every time, but with my son, I basically abandoned that. I put him in bed. And then if he wanted to talk, I'd talk about whatever he wanted about once or twice, maybe three times a week. I don't want him to, if he gets too tired, he's just you know crazy. Right. But I would say, yeah, how are you doing? How are you mm-hmm. doing, bud? And I would ask him how he's doing. And at first it was like, no answers, no answers. And that's fine. And then I would share a little bit how I'm doing eventually it cultivated a real openness. Mm-hmm. And so I would say that if there's a way you can cultivate openness to talk, then my fear is that he would just bottle everything and it would all get internalized. And I feel like the Lord has been very gracious to us and that he's, he's a little more open now. And I think we're trying to keep it that way. Mm-hmm. So, so I'd say those, I don't know that I did the right things. I, I did ask um, you know, my friend Jeff, the new man, like, for some advice, and he gave me some good advice. Um, so I'd say reach out for advice too, but mm-hmm. I think those things are all where we look back and we're like, oh, you know, I think that ended up working out good. That was a, a good thing. Sorry about the sniffles.
0: That's okay. And we're going to end the podcast by just going back to the verses that we already mentioned. And so let's just read. Uh, we'll start in verse 1 and just read down through verse 7. So 2 Corinthians 1 1 through 7. Paul, an apostle of, G- of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy our brother, to the church of God that is in Corinth, with all the saints who are in the whole of Achaia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be It is for your comfort in salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure in the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken. For we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. And... Uh, A lot of repetition here that is very good for you to think through and similar themes that are going to be present all the way through the first, you know, like seven chapters of second Corinthians, that something happening in your life does have a bearing on the spiritual life of others around you. And Paul was very keen to that fact as a minister. And the reason I wanted to read verse one is because he recognizes right away that the reason he's an apostle is that this is God's will for him. And as an apostle, he is going to people and you know, his ministry is not glamorous. His ministry as an apostle to these people is to suffer in front of them. And his hope is not that his suffering would mean that nobody else has to suffer. He actually wants to suffer and walk through that consistently and be comforted by God in his suffering so that those he's ministering to would learn to do the same. That he is sent to suffer well to the Corinthians so that the Corinthians would follow his example of suffering well. And that last verse we read highlights that. Our hope for you is unshaken. We know that if you will share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. So what does it mean to share in our sufferings? Does that mean that they need to suffer the exact same way as Paul? So you need some shipwrecks in your life. You need to be beaten and jailed. You know, do you need to follow the same list? And the answer is no. What he's referring to there is that as God faithfully chastens the believer, these believers, whatever that road or trial is, you need to view it the same way and respond the same way. And so most people's initial reaction to suffering is to get away from it, to flee from it, to, you know, Andy, you'd mentioned to bottle, to contain and and not really deal with the true issues at hand. You know, when, you, when you're walking through something, it's so easy to guard, your, guard what's true, how you're experiencing something and how you're walking through something. And Paul, very clearly, as he progresses through Second Corinthians, is like, my heart's open to you. I have shared exactly what God was doing in my life with you. You watched it. And what's, you know, uniquely ironic about this example is that the Corinthians had been the source of trial. They, they were causing a lot of suffering, and, and Paul is even open with them about that. But it, it's not that you have to follow the exact same road, but it's that you need to view it that same way, that you shouldn't run from it, but you should recognize that is the chastening, loving hand of God. And as you think about that, just look at the descriptions in verse 3. There are three descriptions of God here. And he's going to focus on the third one, who is the God of all comfort. But we've got two others. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's one. God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of mercies. Hmm. And the God of all comfort. Now, you could string mercies and God of comfort together, like you string God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ together. I, I, I like to read it separate, like three separate descriptions. Like, this is the Father who sent your Messiah. This is the father who has mercy to you. And this is the father who's going to comfort you. And I really wish if Paul could have, you know, you know, edited this, you know, obviously he's under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, you know, or the, the product is perfect. But if he would have put in the father of comfort, that would have been really nice. But anyway, uh, th- this is a heavenly father and Hebrews 12 makes it very clear. And there's passages in the old Testament that demonstrate this as well, that a loving father disciplines and that doesn't mean you know uh, rashly or hastily uh, punishing you know uh, inflicting pain without reason it's 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 a deliberate intentional discipline out of love to grow and that's what a, a father does to his children and uh, in fact that looking and seeing the chastening of God in your life is a a great way to verify that you are one of his children, that you actually have that. And I've thought a lot about that, mainly because I've been preparing for Christian experience where we talk a lot about that assurance. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And here's the thought I'm pondering. What's the difference between someone who suffers and they're not a child and someone who suffers and is a child. Because we do know that God is sovereign over all. He causes the rain to fall on the good and the bad. So what would make the difference between the suffering of the child and the suffering of the non-child? And uh, we're, we're delving into a category where I think perhaps the most appropriate answer is we don't always know, but certainly one difference of the child, is going to be the way that they respond to it and that ultimately a child of god is never going to uh, abandon their faith in the midst of that trial and abandon their profession that jesus is their savior they're not going to deny uh the gospel and uh you know for however you want to think that through uh, i would think that through in that term share share in our sufferings when you go through whatever trial you're going to go through think about it coming from your father and you're his child and how are you going to share in that and it's paul inviting these people come along with me god has done this to me too this is not wrong it's not bad this is what the father wanted for you and what he really wants is to draw you closer to him. And so, uh, the hope in the midst of that is that this father of mercy and God of comfort will comfort you if you share in those sufferings. And I think the inverse would be true. If you reject the sufferings, if you deny the sufferings, uh, I don't, I would not expect there to be the comfort uh, of God, the, the peace of God that surpasses understanding to guard your heart and your mind if you deny the sharing in those sufferings. And so uh, that would be, uh, I think, you know, a great thing to process through trial. And that, that trial can be as simple as, you know, I woke up later than I wanted to and I didn't get the breakfast I wanted or my car broke down. Um, and, but it can also be Deep, deep sorrow. And whatever trial God has placed in your life, we would just encourage you to share in those sufferings. And that is a benefit to you, but it will also then be a benefit to others. Uh, As Paul so clearly describes, that as he shares in Christ's sufferings, verse 5, as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ, we share abundantly in comfort. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort. And he, he brings that up later on in Second Corinthians. We've walked through that, but the work that God will do in your life through that suffering will be a benefit to the others around you. And so there's my thoughts there. Do you guys have any other closing thoughts with that?
1: Can I just add like one thing? Uh, I just want to encourage the audience or the listeners to take seriously what you say about the going through the trial. The only way I was able to f- have peace was to actively submit to what God was doing. And that's the sharing idea. And if I had held it like a stiff arm or been like raging at God, uh, it wouldn't have happened. And, and you said like, what's, it mean, what's the difference between a, a child and a not child? If I'm a child and my dad's doing this and I know he loves me, then the question is, do I trust my dad? And I, and I think you just nailed it. Um, lastly, the word affliction there, you were saying, do we have to suffer the same way? It just means any trouble that inflict, inflicts distress. And yep. that's exactly it. You get up on the wrong side of the bed, you lose your wife. Yeah. It's distress either way. And are you going to trust in the Lord?
0: And honestly, I do think, you know, man, I, I, I and we've mentioned this kind of off air. I've listened to a lot of you, Andy. Ankling Stearns from previous years of classes as I'm preparing for a new class, and uh, you know, a passage like you know in First Corinthians ten, he doesn't give you something that you can't handle. He gives you a way of escape, and so you start thinking through this like, well, how much does God let me suffer, and uh, does He give me something I'm not prepared for? And again, I think the way you think about that, the perspective you have uh changes you know uh, there are some people <laughs> and this has been me many times where your my car breaking down just was like the worst thing that could have ever happened and it's like not in a sense not trying to undermine or belittle uh a, a somewhat trivial uh suffering and then you know but also we don't want to diminish that there are things in life that are much deeper sorrow. And this would be that case. And and just to highlight whatever God is using right now in your life, just just do you trust him? Mm-hmm. And this is a, you know, that new man is a is a good man. He's a good man. And he's a uh, good man. Think about it this way. I mentioned this a few weeks ago and I it just it's a great illustration. And it's something that my dad would always we had a rule in our house. When I got my driver's license was 16 and I was on the kind of older curve. So like I got my license before a lot of my friends and my dad had the rule. You can drive. Nobody can ride with you. Mm -hmm. And because he, I think very wisely did not trust me as a driver. And that really helps you think about what trust is. If you really trust that driver, are you going to get in the car? Mm Mm-hmm. Because you can say all you want about I trust him, I trust him, I trust him, and then that car pulls up and it's suffering. Yep. And are you going to get in that car and and share in that ride? Mm-hmm. And that's uh, right. that that is where <laughs> a lot of good puns. That's where the rubber really does meet the road, and uh, that's where the faith of a child of God is uh, cultivated and proven and then strengthened is, is through trial. So I think that's all we have this week. We're so thankful to have you back. Thinkling Stearns.
1: It's so good to be back. And listeners, I've missed you. Many of you have messaged me and reached out to encourage me. And I just thank you for that. And I just want to publicly thank these two guys for shouldering the burden these last three months, sending me encouraging messages. Uh, You really, listener, you got to find your own thinkling friends to walk through deep waters with you. You really do. There's no other way to walk.
0: Fitting into the podcast, we'll see you guys next week and enjoy this time of year. And uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Thinklings Podcast. We would love to hear from you. If you have any feedback, suggestions, or potential topics that you'd like us to discuss, you can contact us through our email, thinklingspodcast at gmail.com. Remember, don't let this conversation end with this podcast. Read good books talk about them with your friends, and always continue to cultivate your mind. See you next time on The Thinklings Podcast. The Thinklings want to remind our listeners that The Thinklings Podcast is our personal production. Our conversations, book discussions, and viewpoints may not represent the views of Faith Baptist Bible College and Theological Seminary. Any questions or feedback should be directed to us at The Thinklings Podcast.